This episode is sponsored by Auxilio Partners, building the legal, business, and technology infrastructure for church plants. Find out how at auxilio.partners slash five points. Welcome to the Five Points Church Planting Podcast. We are so glad that you can join us and that you listen on a regular basis. We're thankful for everyone. Josh, we're recording this a few days past Thanksgiving, and over the holidays, I got a text from a listener, and it's someone that I do not know, but he reached out to another church planter that I do know and got my phone number and sent me a text. And and the the gist of the text was that we have been an encouragement to him, that he appreciates that we talk about hard things, but that we also laugh about a lot of church planning matters and issues, and has just been helped by the podcast. And he's in a particularly difficult spot at the moment. And that just really... uh, made me feel good um, about this. And as I thought on that, as I reflected on that fact, it made me think of our guest today, um, Paul Pine, who has been an encouragement to me over the last several years. Um, I met Paul through a very dear friend that has since gone to be with the Lord. And it both of those guys were just a real encouragement to me um, as I was leading the church planning network and, you know, Paul would probably not, you know, agree that he was encouraging, um, he would take the humble road, but he was, and has continued to be. And I'm so very thankful for him and his ministry. And so glad to have you on with us today, Paul. Thank you, Hunter, so much. What a privilege. Yeah, Paul, so grateful to have you um, uh, with us today. As Sonner said, we do get feedback from time to time. It's always good to hear from individuals as you speak into the void (laughs) of podcasting world to get feedback and to hear from those folks. And so um, to hear the encouragement it is. And and as I've been involved with M&A and with church planting, uh, your involvement in the network here locally and with M&A as well has always been an encouragement to me uh, every step of the way, uh, just uh, overwhelming encouragement to me. And so I know you will be to our listeners today. would love to hear from you, maybe begin telling a little bit of your story about how you got into church planting and and maybe that first church plant you got involved in and, and just some of the successes and, and failures uh, especially in those early days of church planning and being involved in church planting, um, some of those successes and failures you, expi- uh, you experienced in the early days of church planting. Thanks, Josh, for having me. It's great to see both of you and Hunter today and be on with everyone here. Um, I was just thinking today, getting to come on, uh, that really, for me, church planning has kind of been there my whole life. Uh, I was born in 1962, when my parents were involved as lay leaders in helping to plant a new Baptist church in my hometown of Lakeland, Florida. So I have kind of been born into a church plant, and it's been in my blood all the way along. Um, I uh, went to seminary thinking I didn't know what God would have for us in ministry, had a background in campus ministry with crew and athletes in action. And 
went to seminary seminary at RTS Jackson and worked. It didn't that was not a yeah that, that was subtle. Subtle. Real we subtle. have to stop for a second. You just called seminary <laughs> cemetery. Sorry, look at Duncan at all. Yeah, can't can't <laughs> let that one pass. Yes. But in seminary at RTS Jackson, I worked uh, as an intern at First Presbyterian Church of Gulfport, Mississippi. And uh, Fran and I would go down there every weekend and, and spend time with students and in the congregation. And um, I got to hear the head of our church planting movement in the PCA mission in North America, Terry Geiger, uh, who I think has just been such a godsend and still is to the movement of church planting in North America. But Terry preached on a Sunday night about the gospel and church planting. And Fran and I, I still see us looking at each other in in the pew there in the old sanctuary at First President Gulfport and saying, I want to do that. She said, yeah, I want to do that. And so I caught Terry at the elder's house. He was staying out that Sunday night at 9 p.m. And he got on the phone and talked to me for half an hour about church planning as a first-year seminary student. So that kind of stayed with me. Um, I, I got really interested in campus ministry again through RUF, Reform University Fellowship. And the founder of RUF came and visited campus, Mark Lowry, and I said, Mark, I'm, I've got a background in campus ministry. I'm interested in it. Where I really want to go is church planting. And Mark said, Paul, this is the best training, learning a place, learning demographics, learning people, learning how to reach out to the gospel in fresh ways in, in your place. And I said, Mark, that sounds great. How many guys have gone on and planted churches from RUF? And he said, none, but it's still the best training you can get. And, uh, and so uh, several years later in 94, started with RUF in 90, in 94, we left Auburn. Uh, and now, Paul, I, I've got to, yeah. we got to pause on that yeah. because as we're recording this, Al Josh and I are both big Alabama fans and we're just coming off that last second 30 and forever pass in the end zone to win the Iron Bowl. Have you recovered from that? Are you okay? I, you know, my mm. wife is an mm. Auburn grad. My daughter and her husband are <laughs> Auburn grads. I, Auburn is kind of my adopted team. No, we have not recovered. <laughs> well, listen, <laughs> listen, when that, when the quarter, when the snap sailed past the quarterback on third down, I just, I, whether Auburn is 10 and one or they're one in 10, yeah. they work their voodoo magic at Jordan Hare. And I knew that we had lost yet again to Hugh Freeze um, yeah. and, and to Auburn. And so, um, yeah, don't, not, don't want to rub it in, but that yeah, was no, no, uh, a pretty I, miraculous I, ending. I, mm -hmm. it was amazing. Alabama it played great, but, um, yeah, didn't sleep well that night. Just to be clear, didn't yes. sleep well at all. Yeah, yeah. but my house wants to say worry. So yeah, there, there, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. So now so, that we so now that we've worked our way through that, yeah. let's pick back up with gospel ministry. We left. We left <laughs> Auburn after an amazing time there. Um, really, just beautiful season of students coming to Christ, growing in Christ. Um, but I had always wanted to get back to that church planning idea, and so I had the privilege to connect through various sources, um, good friend Leo Schuster, who was working with RUF in Dallas at the time, and he connected me with Park City's Presbyterian Church, and they wanted to plant their first daughter church in Austin, Texas. And uh, and so just through a long process, Mission in North America was part of that. John Smed was part of that as the coordinator of m and at the time. We connected with them, and, and we were called to come to Austin. So we came to Austin in 1994, um, 
what a what an amazing ride that was. We were there a little less than 10 years. God allowed us just, you know, some of the big picture things to to plant a church that is still there and is approaching its 30th anniversary uh, next year, Lord willing. Um, the church grew really quickly. We were able to establish RUF at Texas and RUF International at Texas, and actually RUF at Baylor before we planted a church in Waco. And so mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we were kind of the mother church for three RUFs. We the church has gone on to daughter, I think, seven daughter or granddaughter churches out of it. Right. Um, and uh, started a school for uh, a missional school in the urban center. Um, you know, a lot of great things. Mercy Ministry was was high, high there on on everybody's radar, connecting with the government sector, the art sector. But really, um, and so the church grew really quickly. To about five to six hundred, but it kind of plateaued there, mm -hmm. and um, and and I sort of went there at thirty-one years old, and and I fed into this kind of mindset: we're going to plant the best church in the history of the world, um, we're going to do this amazing high church liturgy, we're going to have outreach on campus, we're going to do all these things, mm -hmm. and Austin at that time in the mid nineties was a place that sort of fed that kind of pride too. We're sure. the best in yeah. America. We're the place where all this is happening. And I just, I got really broken in the middle of my time there. And and yeah. and really that's been 25 years ago. God's continued to sort of have me on a journey of, of deeply breaking my pride. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I realized um, that we had sort of in this initiative to do all this stuff, lost the heart of the gospel Mm. particularly the heart of the gospel for Christians. Right. We were still doing all this outreach. You know, we we had a sense of the gospel was for the unbeliever. We lost that the gospel was for Christians, and we lost, we were doing all this stuff, but who are we in Jesus? And And I just had kind of a moment about five years in, we went on a family vacation. We were going to come back Sunday night, and instead we came back Saturday night. So we all went to church. I didn't preach. I had no responsibilities, but I just was in church and um, a visitor came that day and I invited him in and sat with our family. And I said to my best friend, who was an elder on our session, um, who's become a church planner since himself, John Ratliff, mm -hmm. I said, John, uh, I hate our church. Mm. Um, I I would never come back here again if I was the guy that just sat with me because... I just, I, I, Jesus got lost in all this yeah. and grace and forgiveness and welcome got lost in all of this, doing everything the right way. And God just began to break me. I came back to stuff from Jack Miller. Yeah, sure. And World Harvest and now Surge mm -hmm. that I'd read in seminary. I'd literally written in some of the books, Paul Long had us read um, all of Jack Miller and, uh, uh, you know, and and I'd written in the margins when they would talk about Phariseeism. He would talk about, you know, self-righteousness. I would write these question marks and say, that sounds pretty good to me. I literally did that. <laughs> I was so, you know, self-righteous and so committed to kind of a bootstrapping way of doing the Christian life. And yeah. I just picked up some of that same stuff and, and I was so ready for it mm -hmm. that I needed grace as a Christian, that I needed 
mercy afresh. And sure. So that began a journey for me uh, to move toward uh, renewal as a way of life through the gospel, as Lovelace would say. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Right. Paul, you talk about, you know, the difficulties and the challenges that you faced and heart issues. Uh, but one of the things that I, I heard was um, something that you did right, which is multiplication. Um, a, a lot of church planners, you know, they're they're in the throes of planting a church, yeah. and they can't see outside of their own situation. How yeah. did you, how did you grasp the necessity and importance of multiplication in that first church plant? Yeah, that's a great question. I think I have to start with another confession of sure. my unbrokenness and weakness. And that is, I you know, so I've gone on to serve as our denomination's coordinator for church multiplication. Mm -hmm. um, and I have struggled all throughout my ministry of being territorial. Mm -hmm. I think every church planter is for multiplication. Mm -hmm. Till they get in the field and they're doing it and they're like, well, wait just a second here. <laughs> we don't yeah. So, yeah. so I, I just want to admit if, if you're listening to this um, and you struggle with territorialism, that's, that's okay. In one sense, we all do. In another sense, you want to just give that up. And I, I think Hunter, you've heard me talk about this so many times, but I always go back to the book of acts over and over again. And I think yeah. about how generous and non-territorial the church was in Acts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just in, oh, uh, I think about the church in Antioch as it gets going in Acts 13, and they give away both Paul and Barnabas, you know, to this this regional mission of multiplying churches. Um, so, you know, Hunter, it took, it took, what it happened was just situationally, we had a church dissolve in South Austin that we had a lot of connectivity to. It wasn't a PCA church, but um, those people wanted to come and be with us, but they said right from the very beginning, would you help us replant a church here? And so we did that, and that's one of our first elders went and planted with them, John Ratliff, who I mentioned. At the same time, we had a guy interning with us who wanted to plant a church in East Austin, a multi-ethnic, um, multilingual church um and that church got planted it was called Emmanuel. um it did not make it but out of those ashes has sprung up a beautiful congregation and has sort of been resurrected out of that original vision um and then we sort of the third one there that we did in in my nine plus years um was was a little bit of a splant it was a missional group kind of on the west side of austin we were trying to buy property and begin a building process. And uh, we said, no, let's just wait, wait, wait. And this group really wanted to go and and they were ready. And I had to really be humbled to say, um, okay, we're going to, we're going to keep trusting you, God, and we'll let this group go and see what happens. But even in doing that, that was, that was very hard for us. Some of the people that you've been closest to letting them go, realizing they don't belong to you. Sure. Um, yeah. You know, and um, and and but but yeah, so I, I gotta say that really, Hunter, the multiplication was almost just accidental and providential that God is sort of pressing yeah. Yeah. there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I had to learn it just through mm -hmm. providence, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, it, it's funny, you know, Paul, when you listen to 
church planters tell stories and you hear about how um, multiplication, you know, starts or happens. Um, there's a there's a willingness, there's a, a heart for it and in the, in the individuals who do it. But when they actually tell the story, generally you do find that it's uh, uh, if, if you want the formula, <laughs> don't yeah. ask anybody for it because yeah. nobody knows how you got there. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Lord is gracious, and as you're as you're faithful to long for pursue multiplication, uh, and even when you're not, Lord tends to do His work His way for His glory. So, yeah, thankful for that. Yeah, so you you know you, you've been through a, a, the humbling process of those early years of church planting. Uh, you looked up and you make the statement, uh, you know, I don't I don't like my church. I don't I don't want to I don't even want to be here. Um, kind of dynamic. You struggle through that, and then you move on from there. But you you end up coming back and planning a second time. Why? Why why do you go back and do yeah. it again after the struggles as the Lord works on your heart? What causes you to to yeah. to join that venture a second time? Yeah. Well, thank you for that, Josh. That's a great question. Um, really just backing up to that for a minute, that space five years in where I had that experience, uh, that just became this wrestling point and this journeying of coming back to the core gospel. Mm-hmm. And seeking God to to renew me as a Christian and renew me as a minister of the gospel, by the gospel and through the gospel continually, I sort of tried to begin to seed that back into that first church plan in Redeemer Austin, and God blessed that in certain ways. And I do think, as they approach their you know thirtieth anniversary um, this coming year, um, I see that in them and mm-hmm. they still invite me to come back regularly. And, and it's beautiful to sort of get to go to be the grandpa and encourage people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I see that happen. It's just been uh, longer than, um, than any, than I would have wanted and hoped um, that third daughter church. That was more like a splant um, was beautiful. And it is a lovely congregation. Uh, All Saints in Austin and has been a part of planning other churches. And some of those granddaughters and great-granddaughters that I talked about early on um, have come via All Saints. Uh, But it was really hard because there was this kind of, with some of the leaders, uh, a sense that we wanted to move past. They wanted to move past me, uh, that they were fatigued with me personally and sort of the ethos that I had developed there in that plant. So that was really hard and difficult. Mm -hmm. So we kind of crashed in some ways, Uh, even as we were helping that third church go out, Mm -hmm. there was a sense that Fran and I had just kind of crashed. And so we knew that we needed to step away. Um, And I always say to people, when they ask me, what was the best thing that you did in Austin? And I sincerely mean this is that we left uh, promoting everyone and encouraging everyone, not Mm -hmm. sort of defending ourselves of the challenges of that splint or anything around that. In the infinite wisdom of the PCA at that time in 2003, prayerfully we've grown some in 20 years. uh, (laughs) What do you do if you're a burned out church planter? You go and plant again right away. Uh, (laughs) And, uh, you know, and, and, you know, that's just where we were. And, and yeah. that fed me well. I was ready to go try again, I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wanted to learn these kind of, bring this kind of gospel-centeredness more into things and a freedom more into things. Um, and God opened up an opportunity to a good friend, John Stone, to go and plant in Knoxville, a core group he had been working with as campus minister with RUF 
to plant in downtown Knoxville, uh, right near the university. And, uh, and so we jumped on that. Now, the biggest lesson I learned there was we were so burned out and God gave me a team right out of the box there. We oh, built a yeah. team all the time in Austin, but you know, God gave a, a Josh Eby who came with me from Austin. He said, he asked me three different ways. Can I come? Can I come? I said, Josh, no, no, no. He said, how about if I raise all my support in year one, half of my support in year two, can I come with you? Mm -hmm. I said, okay, we'll go pitch it to the Presbytery. And they embraced it. And then we had a friend, Chris Talley, who was planting now uh, in East Tennessee. Yeah, that's right. Chris, Chris was without call in mm -hmm. Knoxville and working three jobs, UPS and waiting tables at two restaurants. Wow. And he just said, can I come be a part of this team? And so we started Chris at five hours a week. Mm -hmm. uh, and just being a part of our team. And then God brought Matt Grimsley along shortly after that in the music area who got ordained and has planted two different churches yeah. in the PCA mm -hmm. and now in the Anglican Church of North America. So, um, yeah, I would just say, Josh, the biggest thing there is we, again, kind of backed into that. Mm -hmm. all, but team is so crucial. And sometimes we don't have the privilege to have people dropped in our lap like that, to have resources to pay them. But I think praying, begging the Lord to raise up a team, whether that's the lay leaders that are coming alongside a planner, whether that's bivocational people um, coming alongside a planner who may be bivocational himself, um, just right away giving ministry away. If, if Hunter highlighted the challenge and privilege of giving multiplication away mm -hmm. uh, in planting, I think that starts with giving ministry away. Mm -hmm. teams and uh, that was the big lesson of Knoxville for sure yeah all right Paul after your second church plant you went right. to start a church planting network we'll circle back around and talk about that but you were you were elected as the coordinator of mission of North America in the PCA and part of what MNA does is church planning and I was on the committee that was was in place that hired you and really kind of how I got to know you on a deeper level in part and loved that time hearing all the wonderful stories about church planning across the denomination. I think, I think it afforded that being on that committee afforded me a glimpse that I think a lot of people often don't see so many great things happening in so many different places. Now that you're no longer the coordinator Looking back, what are what are your thoughts on church planning in particular in the PCA? Yeah, well, let me just start by starting with the present, and then we can look back some. Sure. I think that our team giving leadership in the PCA right now at Mission in North America is the best that we've had since we had Terry Geiger and John Smed back in the 90s. Erwin uh, Entz is so gifted at leadership and vision. Um, and I just love everything about him as our new coordinator. Um, the fact that he is a person of color is a gift from the Lord that embodies in his personage more of who we're hoping to be as a more broad and diverse church to grow beyond having one or 2% African-American pastor planters among us or one or 2%. Latino pastor planners among us to just keep growing there. So I, 
I'm so behind Irwin. I, I love the team that they have around him, that he's got around him there with Chris Vogel promoting systems and movements of church planning. Chris is so gifted at that. And Murray Lee really giving leadership broadly as associate coordinator. Uh, it's a great, great team. Mm-hmm. So let me start there. I, I have, you know, it's just funny how God organizes things and the way he crosses lines. Just this morning, 30 minutes before I came on with you guys, a friend from Athens, Georgia, who's in a church plant, in elder training in a church plant that I helped get off the ground when I was living in Athens, working with M&A uh, across North America. My wife and I lived in Athens. And a good friend started a church in Athens there, Clay Warner, in Oconee County, outside of Athens, which was actually his second church plant as well. I know you want to kind of maybe talk about why guys do it more than once at some point here. But, you know, this guy, Alex Patterson, texts me and says, Paul, I just read this Ligonier piece on, you know, the need, the desperate need for the gospel in the rural settings. And he said, "Is, is the PCA doing anything? really with whole movements of church planning in rural settings. And it was fun to be able to connect him with Alan Foster, who works with m a to yeah. promote cohorts in small towns and rural areas, and to connect him with Corey Pelton, who's mm-hmm. in yeah. East Tennessee, Northern Georgia, uh, just as a circuit rider almost, almost an old-fashioned mm-hmm. circuit rider working mm-hmm. with core groups in these little rural places to help seeds get planted and to help churches get started there. So I I think there's a lot happening in the PCA right now with it. COVID hit us really hard. Yeah. Um, we had been good at sort of planting 50 churches a year, about one church a week for over a decade leading up to COVID. Sometimes we'd pop up into the 60s. Sometimes we'd fall down in the 40s. But But that kind of one church a week kind of thing, it was there. And, and my, my, I was brought on you know, um, you know, in, in 2016 to, you know, can we get toward a hundred? Can we double that? Mm-hmm. We worked real hard and we were starting to put things in place to, to shift some things. And then COVID strikes and we go from the fifties, you know, down to like, I think in 2020, um, maybe, maybe like 12 churches got planted. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, in 21, so we started building back up, and we're now, I believe, in 22, we were in the high 20s, low 30s. So I see things going forward again. There are the stories, Hunter. I mean, like, I love the movement, the Grace Canada Network. Um, Mm -hmm. A lot of people in the U.S. don't think about Canada when they think about church planting. There are just some great guys up there, Ben Jolliffe. you know, many leads that network. They are getting Canadian guys to lead these churches. And uh, they are growing by conversions. And it is beautiful. Um, I love what I've seen, um, you know, in a in a place like the Mid-South where you guys are, that all different kinds of churches are getting planted. Uh, a guy, you know, Mark Horn down in Ocean Springs, yeah, really trying to build it from the ground up through evangelism, and I yeah. Yeah. and I love seeing that. Um, you know, uh, I love seeing churches get creative as well as generous. So, in my time in Los Angeles, most recently as an interim pastor of Pacific Crossroads Church, uh, as the church was in great crisis, 
And as the church was dealing with long COVID, LA was lo all long COVID, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, we were able during all of that to complete a church plant that had begun and launch them fully out and see them particularized, as well as take our second site for worship and spin that off into a church plant, which is mm -hmm. now the Great Orchard Church um, with Jeffrey Choi. And so I, I just love the creativity I'm seeing. I love the different kinds of expressions. I love the growth of more, you know, we had big steeple, big networks like the perimeter thing and mm -hmm. Southwest Church Planning Network, which we were a part of helping to start back in the 90s when we were in Austin. But I see more micro networks. Yeah. See more micro creativity. I see working across denominational lines. Mm -hmm. Some of what we're doing here in San Antonio is trying to really grow in that. There's a burgeoning movement of church planning here in San Antonio that is well beyond the PCA. And so we're just trying to come be a part of that and learn and, mm -hmm. and share. So churches, even ours, Redeemer San Antonio, is seeking to start our third service, which would be in Spanish, Lord willing, by this time next year, by Advent of 24. And, um, and, you know, if the Lord would bless that, then that could become a nesting for a church plant or lead to a church plant coming out of that. And we keep the third service. Yeah. I, I just love, I love that kind of creativity I'm seeing all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. Paul, thank you. I, yeah. So much of, um, you know, one of the things I've always enjoyed uh, when I get to spend time with you or, or sit under you and, and some of the network meetings and things that we've done to listen to you speak on on topics and different things is just your your breadth of experience. Um, in our denomination, uh, across our, our nation, <laughs> where you've been and where the Lord's used you and the number of people that you've had an impact on and have been able to, to invest in their lives. Uh, as we kind of wrap up our time together today, so many things we could talk about, and we'd love to direct the conversation into uh, a lot of individual topics. But I mean, we started off the podcast with you <laughs> telling us that you were literally born into church planning. Uh, <laughs> um, you spent your life doing this, and uh, you're an elder saint to us uh, at this point, um, having served for so many years so faithfully. Um, in, in larger leadership roles and in smaller church planning roles all across the, the span. I, I think it would, would, would just behoove us to, to, to give you the mic at these last couple of minutes. And the years of experience that you have, you have in church planting, having planted multiple churches and, and been involved in church multiplication and, at, and even at the institutional level, um, as you think about the future of church planting, what what wisdom would you impart to our listeners? What encouragement would you offer them as far as what that looks like and, and ways that you would encourage them to stay the course in that? If that means, hey, look, take that second plant and run with it, you know, do it right. again. I know it's you're tired, yeah. but do it again, whatever yeah. it may be. What wisdom would you impart to our listeners yeah. that might encourage them? Thank you, Josh, for all of that. I'm just hitting that specific point before moving in some other directions. Um, I think more church planters, I mean, when you look at apostolic planting, right, if you go to Acts, uh, the guys that are gifted in that, Paul and Barnabas and Timothy and Luke and, and their team, right, they're teaming together and they keep doing that. Mm -hmm. Now, we know it's a very different world in some ways of where we are now, even with the whole development of the church and where we are and so forth. I, I get that there's many you know, trajectory adjustments you have to make there. But I think guys that are gifted in church planning need to take that basic premise that maybe God's going to want you to do this more than once. Mm -hmm. 
And, um, and, and I went to Austin thinking, I don't know if I'm going to be any good at church planning. But if I could just get through the planning phase, maybe God would allow me to stay here for 40 years. Because mm-hmm. my heroes were like my dad who had started, helped to start a law practice. And he stayed in that his whole career, 51 years. Or, you know, think of your favorite football coaches, a, a Bobby Bowden or something who's, you know, finally gets to FSU and he stays there forever and builds something like that. Um, Dick O'Farrell at Camp Alpine just mm-hmm. builds this amazing missional gospel-centered experience for boys and just stays there and just and just builds it and sows it and so I thought that's what I want to be and God did not have that for me (laughs) when I realized that I was more of a starter Mm -hmm. um, than I realized and uh, so you know in Austin got to be a part of starting that and helping other things get started and teaming with Park Cities to help start the Southwest Church Planning Network that has has God has used beautifully there. I was a tiny little part of that. Um, so yeah, I think I would just say to guys out there, if God has used you and 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 you might say, well, I didn't do so well. It was really hard. I get that. And your wife may say, no, no, no moss. And <laughs> listen to her. Uh, but if you feel burdened, be open to it. And, and for me, it was the brokenness. Mm-hmm. of the first time around mm-hmm. that made me more ready for the second time around mm-hmm. not the great successes but just god's kindness to me in my weaknesses and my failures and my sins mm-hmm. that made me open the second time around and um mm-hmm. you know so i would just i i'm glad you hit that point mm-hmm. uh what else have i learned I, I would just say this it almost is is you know sort of tangential to that Yes, I've 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 indirectly preached my stump sermon today from Acts 13 that I do anytime I talk about church planning, where here's things getting started, this movement of planning in Antioch. And I talked about the generosity of them giving their best away with Paul and Barnabas. I talked about the creativity of the way they moved and worked to develop these teams and send them out and bring them back and send them out again. But the last part of what you see in Acts 13 is great humility. And Barnabas is this key leader, right, who had trained Paul, and immediately things flip, and he becomes kind of second chair as they get going. And it actually first happens on his home island of Cyprus, where they go first. And and Paul is going to have this amazing humility of growing down into his name from Saul, you know, former king of Israel, to Paul, I'm painfully aware, little one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Paul mm-hmm. means little rooster. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, so, nice. nice. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure what to do with that, except for the <laughs> uh, But, you know, um, yeah, he grows down into that name, and, and, and he has to be continually humbled. Yeah. And God gives him a thorn in his flesh, right, even to continue to humble him. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. uh, so I would just say, if we can humble ourselves as a whole in the Presbyterian Church in America, stop thinking that we know better than everybody else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Stop thinking that that our theology trumps everything else. And say, what can we learn from others around us? Um, how can we work across denominational lines? Um, how can we give our best away and not try to build any personal kingdoms? Just say, you know, Lord, use me, and 
um, and, and take me, whether that's to go plant a church or a second church, whether that's to help be a part of a sending church, a praying church, praying person behind these things. Mm-hmm. God, just please humble me and give me the humility of Christ, because that's that's the real secret sauce. It doesn't really go for any kind of lasting, beautiful way with without that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Paul, that is... I don't know that there's anything we can add to that. It's mm-hmm. that's not only informative, but it's devotional and encouraging. Yeah. Yeah. And and I mean, we serve a humble Savior, and uh, yes. we follow in His footsteps. And so, church planting should should reflect that humbleness of of a sacrificial, giving shepherd. Um, yes. So, listen, blessings to you to your family and to your ministry in San Antonio. Yeah. And hopefully Thanks. when the Spurs visit the Grizzlies, <laughs> as terrible as we are, maybe we can That'd eke, be out, great. eke out a win. Um, That'd be great. I, I so appreciate you all and what you're doing with this. Thank you for this resource. That is y'all's creativity and your generosity to give over and above all the rest of what you're doing locally to provide this. It's just, this is beautiful. So thank you so much. And uh, uh, I'm just so grateful to have had this time. Thank you. I'm grateful for you, Paul. So grateful for you. Thank you again for listening to the Five Points Church Planning Podcast. If you have any questions for us, we get them from time to time. Reach out to us at reformedplanting at gmail.com. That's the last word for now. Thanks to you for joining us and listening today. You can reach us with comments or questions on Twitter or Facebook at Five Points Planting or by email at reformedplanting at gmail.com. See y'all next time. Five Points Church Planting is a member of the Society of Reformed Podcasters.